0: This is the Case for Space podcast, brought to you by the students for the exploration and development of space at Casa Grande Union High School. This is our third episode of our second season. Our topic today has everything to do with the nieces, nephews, brothers, and sisters you call family, and how that can be made into a reality for space. Hello, my name is Merlin D'Souza. I am a senior at Casa Grande Union High School, a proud student of the STEM biotechnology program and SEDS president for a chapter. Today I'm hosting this installment of the Case for Space podcast. And the topic we'll be discussing today is all about space babies. A new topic being explored by labs and organizations across the world with the hopes of creating a society on Mars. In order for our species to survive, we need the offspring that can carry on so we will be discussing past experimentation done to understand if an embryo can be sustained in space, human perceptions developed that might pose some problems, medical risks, and finally, what we hope the future will look like for experimentation and development. So let's get started. So my first guest is Renella Alato.
1: My name is Reyna Lalato. I'm also a senior in the biotechnology pathway here at Casa Grande Union High School. I'm also involved in HOSA, which stands for Health Occupation Students of America, which helps high school students go to the medical career.
0: So next up, we have our guest, Alora Linehan.
2: My name's Laura Lenahan. I'm a junior enrolled in the STEM biotechnology program here at Casa Grande Union High School, and I participate in CAVIT as a future medical professional in training, and that's where I'm
0: going. So thank you so much, guys, for being on this podcast today. So one of the things that I wanted to start with as a discussion with space babies is with all the past experimentation done in order to explore this topic, What kind of stood out to you guys?
2: I mean, like, in all efforts to colonize other planets, because space is kind of left in the air, we don't really know much about it, and it's left to international jurisdiction, um, it's always, like, we need to reproduce and have a separate species there. And it'll all be different because something as simple as melanin, which protects our skin from ultraviolet rays, it could be um, differed in space because we need to adapt to that. So my interest came from learning how babies or the reproductive cycle (laughs) would be um, implemented in space and how we could, I don't know, kind of learn about it or go through the processes because it's still very unknown. And if we want to make efforts and steps into reproducing in space, then our first step is learning how to do it.
0: Yeah, and I feel like that's an important point to make, because if we want to have a society on Mars, if we want to colonize, then we need to be able to reproduce and have our species continuing. So it really is an important and vital part, along with all the technologies, to get there. So I definitely agree. What about you, Riddell?
1: So, it has been done before that other species can successfully reproduce up in space with the limited force of gravity. Um, Japan has done the Madaka fish and they've successfully reproduced up there. Russia has done salamanders, but we have yet to be successful with mammals.
0: So that actually brings me up to my next point about rat embryos. So I know that they took the sperm of rats and they froze it and sent it up to the ISS space station. That's what ISS is <laughs> for? Oh my god! International Space Station. Space Station. Space <laughs> okay. So I know that there was an experiment done with rats and that they had taken sperm from rats and they frozen it and sent it up to the ISS and took it back to earth and fertilized another female, a surrogate mother, um, and they were very successful with the rats that they formed. What did you guys think about that experiment?
1: Well, they used IVF, which can some of the side effects of that process is increasing the chances of cancer. Well, in Mars, there's also a high chance of getting cancer because of the radiation. Um, Using that, using IVF would also increase the amount of cancer that the baby has, and potentially like just the people there for the mom, the surrogate that's having IVF.
0: So one of the biggest things that was found with these rats was that their canal wasn't being formed correctly, so they had inner ear problems. So one of those, along with the medical risks that happened with IVF, there was the biggest thing of the deformities that happened. So what was your take on that, Laura?
2: Well, I mean, also with the experimental rats, if I remember correctly, they developed a lot slower than the control rats, which is another issue. Um, IVF has a wider range of birth defects than would normally be in a regular pregnancy Um, so that's something we have to tackle as well. I don't think it's necessarily feasible for us to have a perfect human in space right now because of course there's going to be birth defects and IVF is a viable option but it's also not perfect and we need to get around that but it's our best option right now. Um, so there are going to be birth defects, there are going to be slower development in those humans, and we have to find ways to get around that.
0: So that brings me up to my next point about, there's all of this argument going around with, we will never truly know, even with all the experiments done, with salamanders, with fish, with rats, um, they even tried to use monkeys, but the experiments that was sent up weren't successful. So with all of those experiments done with different animals, can we truly know what the human embryo will face? Because the reality is that the way that we have our reproductive process, that we have the prenatal process, is very unique just to humans. So what would be your thoughts if we took embryos in space?
1: Well, with the use of um, bio bags or artificial wombs, I feel like we can closely monitor how the embryo, or the baby, uh, produces over time. Of course it's going to be slower because of gravity, and um, down here we have, on Earth, <laughs> we have experimented with artificial wombs and we were able to accurately trace down the stages of growing a baby, but using it up there on Earth, um, Mars we could uh, accurately track down and learn more, but I think definitely over time that we would be able to, I don't know, successfully have a baby grow up in space.
2: Mm-hmm. Um, I think we really won't know what it's gonna be like until we get up there, because we can try it on mammals if we get to that stage, but um, especially if you're testing on monkeys, they're not as big as humans are, and especially because our reproductive, um, phase or system, I guess, I don't know, is very unique to us. It's also going to be harder to compare to other mammals, like the monkeys, Um, so we won't know what we're going to do until we're up there, and we can use the artificial wounds to somewhat make up for that, but it'll be a struggle.
1: So we wouldn't be able to reproduce asexually yet, do you think asexually, like, reproducing as mammals would be possible? at all. Well, I mean, the only things that can really
2: reproduce asexually are bacteria, and they're not as affected. Or, like, I meant
1: by, like, IVF asexually, like, not.
2: I mean, if we put it into an artificial womb, but I don't. mm -hmm.
1: Because fish was able to reproduce up in space and then produce the babies. Also salamanders. But, you think like that's an option for mammals at all, or do you like believe that it would be
0: that yeah, one Yeah, I mean, that's a very interesting point to bring up, is that if we just used it with artificial wombs, we took out- there are certain arguments to be made with a uh, natural birth, because that's how we've been developing for so many years here on Earth, but the reality is we will need to uh, be adapting, because the environment is different um, in Mars we will be having to face these challenges of radiation, exposure, and gravity um, battles. So in my opinion, um, we are headed towards that route, but I know that with our artificial wounds, with IVF, using those methods in order to continue our species population, but I know that having a natural birth sometimes can be so important because of the health benefits that come from it so I think there are pros and cons to both of it, but until we truly see what happens to embryos in space, I don't know if it'll be possible to make those conclusions just yet. And especially, bringing up to another question is, with, they say that when sperm is sent, there's a certain amount of DNA fracturing that happens. So with rats, they sent up the sperm, they bring it back, but there was some fracturing that happens usually with age and even when they used it though on a healthy younger female rat the babies turned out fine as a normal sperm that was just kept on earth's surface so both of these in comparison were fine but there was a question of if they're females or males the embryo compensates for when the sperm might be the DNA might be fractured so if both the embryo and the sperm are kept in long exposures on in the ISS then how would they fare
1: well if we were to have no relations to earth that whole reproduction would not be possible at all because you're referring to like freezing the sperm from earth sending it up back to mars and using it there um let's say something happens down at earth, the only place we can live now is Mars, reproducing other people would be impossible, right, because there's no way of freezing sperm and sending it back up to uh, Mars, so something has to happen to make up for the lack of transportation or sperm from Earth.
2: And even so, we still don't know the long-term effects, because like, the fragmentation or the fracturing in the male sperm mm-hmm. is also like associated with infertility, so that can affect it long-term as well, and there's so much that the embryo can compensate for, so the question is, I guess, where, at how much fracturing can occur before the embryo can't compensate for it.
0: Yeah, and it's a good point to bring up with all that these organizations and labs are trying to experiment in, is that they're trying to find what is the giving point for embryos and for sperms to still have healthy offspring but to have that time in space with all the radiation gravity that comes with it so one of the questions that came up in my mind was about all of the ramifications the ethical ramifications that happen even now here on earth of artificial wounds of IVF in your opinion And we discussed a little bit about the idea of a natural birth, but in your opinion, how important is it to have a natural birth?
2: Um, I don't think it's that important to have a natural birth. I mean, C-sections are always a big option because first and foremost, the woman's health is considered when it comes to a birth and like alongside her child. But I don't think a natural birth is the most important. Of course, it's the way that we've been doing it for thousands of years, but in space, especially if you're giving birth, then the gravitational pull would go upwards, so is it even possible to have a natural birth in space? Um, but there's always ways, and especially with like science and technology developing, we're gonna have to look for other ways, because, especially if we wanna do it in space, because that way might just not be feasible anymore. Um, it's a matter of personal morality and ethics and where you draw the line in terms of science and humanity, but I don't think it's important as important as people make it out to be
1: well as time and technology grows there's going to be some more unethical stuff heading towards everyone um well in the first place are we even ethically allowed to leave earth and live on and continue another civilization on a different planet that's like not meant for us you know are we even allowed to leave earth and go live in another place and like is that even allowed that God didn't give us that spot to go live on and, I don't know, interrupt something else that could be living on different places of the universe.
2: Oh, and even so, because of all the changes and the altercations that are going to happen to the baby when they're exposed to these conditions that we aren't used to on Earth, what's the point in which we consider it a human or another species entirely?
1: Yeah, you're already making a baby up in somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I want to switch to another invention that was created here on Earth and the CRISPR method of modifying genes and having that genetic modification happen. So what I'm hearing from the both of you guys is about how we need to adapt to our environment. We don't want the environment to adapt to us because the repercussions that might happen um, and the previous systems that we might be disrupting. So how would we use CRISPR? And I might have already gone into a little bit about why it's used here on Earth, but what potential modifications would you see CRISPR being used so that we could adapt to Mars so that our offspring can survive in this hostile environment?
1: So um, females can adapt to like the amounts of radiation and over time they can handle um, radiation from cancer. Maybe CRISPR can help aid. Um, genetics to prevent the chances of getting cancer and help the longevity long- longevity longevity of the baby and the mom and like the future generations of who are gonna live in Mars. Um, they could also help with. Uh, I know gravity is going to be a very. Uh, Im- influential aspect of living up in space maybe I don't know what gene that would affect or like maybe handling the amounts of pressure or lack of pressure up in space
2: um, I mean the development of the brain would be the biggest thing yeah. that you could alter with genes and CRISPR I guess because you have to realize once babies are born in Mars or in space they can't come down back down to Earth and that's a big issue we have to tackle with because how are they going to learn everything or how are we going to give them the proper things necessary to like aid in their development. Um, so I guess brain development would be the biggest thing that you could alter with genes or CRISPR, but I don't know much about CRISPR yet.
0: Yeah, and I'm glad you guys brought up the topic of gravity and how CRISPR could be used to combat this force that we are so used to but is not there in mars and in space so one of the things that came up with our bodily functions is just like when when an embryo is forming and eventually the fetus and the developmental processes that happen during the prenatal stage when it time the time comes for the natural birth gravity usually helps with the process of Um, ensuring that the fetus gets out safely from the womb that it was in for the nine months that it was developing. So that force that usually helps with that system won't be present in that scenario. So with this new understanding, how do you see that being applied to go a little bit back to the artificial wombs?
1: They're going to like produce babies with no... Fingertips they don't need <laughs> grips because you're gonna i don't know assumably wear suits to protect you from radiation and like keep your keep oxygen in flowing through your body so the points of having uh grips on your fingers and your toes and some other i don't know necessities that you need down to earth to like you know
2: But that evolution would take evolution would take in place, yeah, millions of years. But maybe
1: genetics, CRISPR, can alter that. Like you know, get rid of the useless um, things that need to be put into your body or like form on your uh, fetus. Um, Maybe it would speed up the growing aspect of the baby being born because you don't need those unnecessary features anymore
0: an interesting point to bring up because when we talk about features and what is important for us in space in this new environment one of the biggest things that comes up and I know we mentioned it throughout this whole discussion was radiation was the biggest thing how much radiation is okay In for the astronauts that are spent sent up um, in space they are constantly monitored and their orbit is constantly monitored so that they are not exposed to too much radiation Some scientists say that a little bit of radiation might be okay, but too much is definitely something our bodily systems can't handle. So using CRISPR, we could essentially modify our bodies if we wanted to, to handle the amounts of radiation that we might experience. But the question becomes, with CRISPR, they usually need a template of the code and the gene so that they can, they know exactly what they're looking for, what is responsible. And I know there's so many organizations out there dedicated towards cataloging the genes, what they're responsible for, why they are needed. But do you think we'll be able to get to that point soon by the time that we need to settle Mars and colonize Mars? Because essentially space and the babies that, this topic of space babies, is important because colonization of Mars can be sustained
1: well I'm not sure what the limitations are with using CRISPR um, is it just like are the genes just limited on like you said that they need a template right um, is the template limited just for humans can we use the template and compare it to I don't know rats um, We can just experiment more on rats transfer, like, the gene code and compare it to the humans. I don't know how comparable those would be, like, because if they were, I believe that it would be possible in the near future or so. Um, if not, it'd probably be harder because of ethical reasons.
0: I definitely feel bad for those rats. That's (laughs) for sure, Especially with all the experiments that (laughs) we continue to do for them. So with all this information that we have now with rats, salamanders, fish... Everything that was sent up by different organizations, different places across the world. Where do you think NASA and other organizations should go from here?
2: Um, They should probably start testing on mammals first of all, or first and foremost, and then we'd have to create artificial wombs in space and monitor how the sperm reacts to the embryo, in the conditions and how it could develop because you could also recreate these processes with a stem cell but that's also highly controversial but you could take that and monitor the development of an embryo and the sperm in space but of course there's going to be birth defects so it's just combining them and seeing where it goes from there
1: I think they should first start on sellem- settlements like if they're successful with producing and reproducing um, species up in space. How are you going to maintain these civilizations? So having a solid foundation of civilization and up in Mars would probably be like the first thing that we should do before continuing on to, what's the, to what the next step is, which is reproducing and sending them up there civilization
0: yeah and there's so many things that we need to establish now that we as a society are okay with having to sustain our population because if we're in d- disagreement then it makes it that much harder for our society and the population that is sent to Mars to sustain that population exactly what you said so I I think it's an interesting conversation to have because simultaneously while all these technologies are being built we do have to consider how we are sustaining the population and it all comes back to where are we how far are we here on earth because what we've been able to develop in this ideal essentially ideal environment that we've been so used to for so long means that we have to work 10 times harder to make sure that it is useful there on mars yeah and i
1: feel like if we have a sustainable um, to live it can also help the researchers with the i don't know the reproducing and stuff it can help with what's limited up there and be like oh we need this and we we don't need that anymore because we got this up there instead you know
2: well on mars we need to develop it agriculturally then because if we We need sustenance for that
1: yeah or like maybe they have i don't know cancer I don't know, centers up there and and we'll be like, oh, we don't need to pay as much attention towards this because we have that
0: Yeah, and I and one of the major things that is happening right now with and we discussed how experimentation, where it's going the biggest problem is some of the ethical ramifications still exist, so using embryos human embryos, for example are not exactly accepted, um, and that there's an argument that is made saying that eventually we need to get to that point, so why can't it be now? So with all that experimentation, all this controversy that's going on, it is a long and hard process that we need to examine in order to find something that we are all in agreement with as a society that we would be okay with as we continue our space exploration into Mars.
2: Well, I mean, most of, most of those arguments are made with like religious jurisdiction, so we need to separate church and state and decide how much we want to combine with technology and state, because do we want our government to be based on science and technology, and how would that be applied there, but we need to decide as a society the limits of both of those.
0: Yeah, and with respect to religion and science, they might seem diametrically opposed, but they can of course coexist. So I think it's really important that we find that middle ground that we are all okay with, that everybody in our society agrees upon so we, we can continue this next step. Because the fact of the matter is, with our goal of colonizing Mars, with our goal of reaching that point as a civilization, we need to be taking those interment- instrumental steps now in having that happen.
1: Back to the... Um freezing sperms go from earth sending it up to uh mars um well you're not completely limited on sperms if you were to have a civilization up on mars it just said that you're gonna have um less you're gonna have a less amount of sperms that is being produced up in space because of i don't know gravity um so we could have like frozen sperm centers up there in the civilization, it's not completely impossible to, you know, reproduce, have the IVF work up there and not have uh, sperm from Earth.
0: (laughs) And I think that might just be the case because I I remember reading (laughs) and going back to the rats again, um, it's about, with that, they sent a female and a male rat to space Um, and they came back and there was, there were signs of procreation, but there was no signs of a viable embryo. So all of those factors signify, and what we know about sperm counts and about the embryo, we, it's probably not possible to have it at this very moment. If we get to that point eventually, then of course, that's maybe what we want ahead. But it's probably not viable right now to have that natural method up in space. It's only through ibf and artificial wombs that it might be possible so it is definitely something that we need to explore further so one of the things that i wanted to bring up was cloning so i know that you guys know a lot about cloning and biotech but i wanted to get your opinion if cloning could be something that is a viable option as well
1: well if we're successful in producing a offspring that can live sustainably up on mars and has uh, a long life up there maybe we'd want to create a clone of them because it lasts longer it's gonna i don't know survive and with less health defects and i don't know it's just gonna be better for the civilization to grow off of that clone
2: well yeah cloning is also highly controversial yeah because people aren't able to differentiate, like just because something is a clone of you doesn't mean that it thinks the same as you so it's still an independent being, it just has all of your functions mm-hmm. but in order to have a successful clone, we also need to make sure that the original copy of the person is going to be successful and isn't going to die within the next few years of cancer because if we do have high risks of cancer up there and the individual that we're going to clone has cancer how do we know that won't be passed down and that could also affect the cloning process as well
0: and clones are an interesting topic because we have to remember that we are only in our early stages of cloning. Um, with dolly the sheep in the end the researcher with dolly the sheep when she passed away said that it was a normal disease that they that sheep have it's a normal defect that's viable and always present So it it wasn't due to the cloning, but it does make you wonder, you know, where are we in this stage? How close are we to having that happen with human beings? Because of course there's other mammals that have done it. There's horses and monkeys, but we haven't gotten to that point of humans. And with our complex systems and biological processes, if we can't master it here on earth, it makes me wonder, can we master it on Mars? we're getting there (laughs) (laughs) it'll take a few more years
1: but like cloning shouldn't continue forever if we were to resort to that because then it'd get to the point of you know incest and then, then that would make more defects because you have the similar genes
0: yeah and it's a good point to bring up because we know the idea of um darwinism and not to get too into that because we know as a society that we want everyone to succeed regardless of every other obstacle that might be faced. Well, the idea with Darwinism is survival of the fittest, that there are certain genetic traits that are ideal and those people go on to procreate and have offspring that have those same traits. So it might be beneficial for us to also maybe do experimentations into what genetic traits are going to be the best suited for the environment. Because we know there's people who are immune to snake poison, right? And they're studying the guy who owns tons of snakes and he gets bitten regularly, and those genes might be transferable to people who aren't immune to snake venom. So taking that idea, that principle in mind, if we find someone who has a certain genetic, maybe that was born with a certain genetic trait, And transfer that to the rest of us so that we can survive in Mars. Those are also something that... That's why genetic diversity is so important.
1: Are we going to have pets in space? Do you think that when we have a stable civilization... You know, humans are there. um, We need a mental... I don't know. Mental walkie four-leg purse thing. (laughs) Walking around. Not walking around. Floating around. He's going to float around. Do you want... Do you think that that's possible do you think that's like a priority
0: that we can have i don't know if i would say it's a priority just because we haven't even mastered the idea of using space babies
1: well like let's say they did
0: okay so theoretically if space babies was something we accomplished we have a successful um system of developing and having the formation for babies Mm -hmm. then i would definitely say so because there's this whole argument where astronauts should be given plants, and they are given plants, because it's something to remind them of Earth, and to be cared for, and something that they, it anchors them to something that they know. So, dogs are man's best friend, that's the (laughs) saying, as the saying goes. So, I would definitely think so.
2: But, if babies and a whole civilization was there, they wouldn't need, like, a plant or an animal to remind them of Earth, because they never knew it. Oh
1: just brainwash the whole <laughs> genera- new generation just um so a way that they uh, experiment on zero gravity with plants they use a clinostat i'm pretty sure that's how you pronounce it i'm not sure um do you think that we can use the same well do you know what it is like how it functions okay so it basically moves in a circular motion and you just place it on their side and that's basically, you know, it's simulating zero gravity. And you're putting a plant pot, spinning sideways. Um, do you think we can use the same uh, technology to grow an actual person? We <laughs> <laughs> just spin around, or is it just going to deform everything?
0: I, thinking about that process, and I'm glad you bring it up, is because with forming those babies of course our biological processes how we develop it all matters own gravity because like where our heart gets placed where our lungs where our like bladder all of those important essential functions I would say I would hope that none of us would try to do that but I would think that even if we did try to attempt to form a human baby in this arena of ser- searching what it would look like I don't think a baby is probably the right way. I know we discussed a little bit about why we need to study our embryos, not the embryos of mammals or because our process is so unique. But I would be hesitant to say, to use that now with so little research and understanding that's already been done because rats really don't compare to the babies that we're thinking of.
1: So. Uh, for the past three years for my SciTech project, you know, we've been working with chickens and making a artificial womb for them to visually see their growth of the embryo. Do you think that I can modify that experiment and put, instead of just growing in an incubator, put a clitostat in the incubator with the chicken embryo and its artificial womb to... I don't know, watch the embryo grow that way
2: well, in a zero like gravity. The clinostat rotates a lot. Yeah,
1: it rotates a lot, but to grow the chicken, you have to rotate it in all sides anyway, but not to that extent, you know. That's like placing it in a shaking yeah. incubator. Yeah, so, do you think <laughs> that <laughs> it would, you know, it's gonna die? Do you I think, think it's going gonna die? I the chicken, the for chicken. Sure.
0: I don't think the harsh environment, our, our environment has to be just so Even thinking about like now, the womb environment that needs to happen, like a darker space, the amniotic fluid, all of the, the umbilical cord, all of those important parts of the function that have to be just so that we get all the nutrients to develop, every single gene, every single part of our body has to be just so in order to have proper development. So do I think shaking a baby while they're going <laughs> would hurt them? I definitely would say it will. And especially with the chicken, I know that their processes are also complex as, um, but it, it, to a smaller degree, I would, I would also say that I'd be hesitant. I think they would definitely die in the early stages because of how uh, hostile that environment is. We know that there are major differences between humans and other animals, but I kind of want to hear from you guys. What is, to you, the biggest factor that we need to focus on when we go through this development?
2: Well, my thing would be the circulatory system. I mean, we have to monitor how the heart and the aorta and the lungs, um, because those are the most important parts of our body and how they function we have to monitor how they adapt to space because if we don't have our heart and our lungs we won't be able to survive up there Um, and the main differences with like the animals or the like amphibians is that they have eggs and they have their own environments instead of an open womb in like their stomachs so they have that pre-made the womb, yeah, yeah they have that shelter <laughs> in which they can grow in and since we don't have that we have to make our own but since they already have theirs it's a lot easier for them to develop in space because they won't have external factors but we have to manipulate it in our own way and with something like mice mice have a lot or a lot less folds in their brains so then the neurons are there's a lot less neurons and neuron transmitters within their brains so within humans, we have to figure out how to manipulate that throughout CRISPR, because our, b- our body process is just that much more complex.
1: Do you think the artificial womb would be able to simulate that type of, I don't know, environment, similar to the eggs for amphibians and reptiles? To the point and where, fish. like, humans can have a eggs? little egg? Yeah, but, like, it'd be an artificial egg, we wouldn't, like, birth an egg. Or maybe we could, with CRISPR, we could have people birth their eggs and...
2: I mean the only thing with that is like through the umbilical cord and women have to feed feed it so we need an artificial system that would give those nutrients to the babies.
0: Mm -hmm. So my question is how much technology should we be relying on because there can be an argument to be said that the systems we have now are evolutionary processes from when we've come, all those genetic desired traits are now present in us, so switching to technology with artificial with like wouldn't it hurt more than it would help
2: i don't think it would hurt because at this point all we have to go off of is technology we don't have living breathing humans that we can set up into space and say for sure your baby's going to live and your baby's going to be fine so all we have to use are these technology and we have to rely on them because we need something to give that standard of information to and say hey in a couple hundred years, your baby may be fine, but we need to have these tests done before we can assure that.
0: And with the, we know we, I know we talked a little bit about like genetics and genetic deformities that might happen, and um, to bring up the point that you made, Laura, about the heart and the aortas, the reliance that we could have, even if, for example, if something happens during the developmental process with the embryo and the sperm, and the baby is born, um, in space, but they can't circulate blood the way that the amount that they need to do. Wouldn't we all just make the argument and say, no matter what happens, let's just take technology, use it so that all our systems are replaced with, um, for example, a machine that can pump the blood. So it wouldn't really matter how much developmental processes we have if we have a full reliance on technology. Well, what do you guys think about that? Um,
1: with i know some people would prefer a midwife over going to the hospital and to some point they would have if things get too serious they would have to go to the hospital and they can't take that i feel like people have to take into consideration if all things go bad that we have to use technology in order for you to survive and maybe your offspring
2: i think it's a little bit more morally acceptable than to rely on technology at least in space because if a child dies up there, you're not seeing it as a child, you're seeing it as a product of technology. So that might be easier in that sense.
0: Yeah, and I know that there might be this disconnection that can happen with this idea of um, the human emotions of developing and having a baby in the womb um, and the whole reliance of that's my offspring, that's my, um, and so switching to technology might how do you think it'll affect the human emotions that naturally come with an offspring?
1: I don't think it'd be that bad, because there are things like adoption, you didn't birth it, someone else did, uh, and some people feel the same emotional way that they would have if they actually birthed that child.
2: But that emotion is fostered through care and yeah, taking care well, of the person.
1: But I don't think it'd be that bad, considering that the adoption is an option and some people have the same reaction to it as their own child
0: do you think that we consider it like an entirely different species than of humans i wouldn't think so i think I, just because the genetic traits are so similar you know we still yeah. have the same commonalities that tie us together i would definitely have to agree with you and now because uh, the, the love and emotions that naturally come with having someone to take care of that protective instinct that maybe we all have that comes in full-fledged regardless of whether or not that was um, directly involved in a person's body or if it was just an external process for developing the baby
1: yeah and if you're more related to that technology that technology birth child then you are to be adopt to have an adopted child and i don't know maybe that would well, make it more it's the same as
2: like chimpanzees we evolved from chimpanzees, and if the way that we're talking now, then these babies would somewhat evolve from us because we're using our sperm and egg, but we don't feel any relation to a chimpanzee or their child, and, I mean, it'd be foreign to see, like, a human taking care and fostering a chimpanzee, even
1: though we evolve from them because they're the blueprint, um, well, that would be many generations after, like, we evolve into, like, it's some sort of different species that we've, you know, become. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I don't think we'd have to go to that point and be like, oh, that chimpanzee, I'm re- like, I'm ha- related, I'm related <laughs> to that. Uh, I don't think we have to go to that, uh, I don't think we have to touch that mentally at that point.
0: So I'm glad we definitely had this great discussion about space babies, the development, the repercussions all the medical technologies that have been created now that can be used to help us later on. So with that, we are going to wrap up our discussion on space babies. Thank you to all my guests, Ronell and Laura, for joining this important discussion of space babies. We are excited to see where this research goes, and I know we will be sure to tune in to any new findings made. Thank you to all listening at home. I hope you enjoyed our installment of what are space babies, what have we done to make it possible in space, and what are human perceptions about them. Special thanks to Garrick, who is doing the recording, and Mr. Morris, who makes this podcast possible. Stay tuned for our special segment, This Week in Space. (music) This Week in Space, NASA's Mars Rover Perseverance is halfway to the red planet. So according to NASA, the Mars Rover is halfway to its destination. Perseverance launched on July 30th and has now traveled 146 million miles, which is half the distance required to reach the Red Planet. This rover will characterize the area's geology and climate, and it will definitely search for signs of dead life. One of the many things that Perseverance will do is also collect dozens of samples from this terrain for future return to Earth. So we will definitely be following this Perseverance rover when it reaches Mars. So with all we discussed about the medical repercussions, about the medical technologies and experimentation being done, and where we hope this experimentation will go, and all of this insightful discussion that happened, I hope you all look up in a different way. Thank you again to my guest speakers, Renella and Alora, and to all of you listening at home. Don't forget to stay tuned to our next episode of the Case for Space. I'm Merlin D'Souza and this has been the Case for Space podcast brought to you by the students for the exploration and development of space at Casa Grande Union High School.